Are there any more young conservatives out there? Is a great red wave coming through Illinois and the United States, maybe? Perhaps my guest today, Kat Peterson, can shed some light on those questions. So, Kat, thank you so much for coming on. It's a pleasure to have you. Oh, it's a pleasure being here. This is a really cool setup, and I love the Paul Garcia show. (laughs) I really do love all of the local people that you get on, and I've really started to take a liking to Bloomington Normal because of you. So, I love the show. I do. I didn't think I was going to like Bloomington Normal, and then the Paul Garcia show showed me some really cool characters in our community, and it is. It is like... We're all living a big, big story, and we're all just characters in this big, big story, and we're contributing to the community. So you do a good job of showcasing that. Well, thank you so much. You're too kind. But for people (laughs) that don't know you very well, maybe tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what it is that you do. Yeah, so I am a show host, a morning show host at Cities 92.9, and it's uh, affiliated with Great Plains Media. I've worked a lot with uh, David Paul Blumenshine and Kevin Ferris, who also are our show hosts, uh, Eddie Monk from Turning Point USA and the College Republicans. They also have a show that was kind of a decision we came to uh, to incorporate the younger conservative voice because we are reaching an era where uh, we are uh, at a... We're grasping at straws, and we really do need to have the young Republicans come out and express their voice because I feel like it's kind of lacking. But we do have other show hosts. Um, I just do the morning show in the morning, and then uh, I also have Conservative Cat from 5 to 7 on Saturdays. So I just kind of started this job, a fresh grad out of uh, Illinois State University, and I graduated with with a journalism degree, and I worked at WGLT. Um, It was an NPR-affiliated station. I also worked at WZND, which was a kind of a commercial format. It was like pop music uh, for the station and it was the campus radio station. And then my faculty advisor, Steve Sees, was working at Great Plains Media and he had kind of said like, well, what about this job? Because I had asked him about it. I was like, okay, so I listen to cities. Um, I'm a, I'm kind of a conservative and I was very closeted uh, <laughs> in closeted conservative in college because I was scared of what people would think of me. And I just one day closed the door behind me in Steve's office and I said, you know, you think I could get into Cities 92.9? And he goes, I think you could. And we tried and I interviewed and I got the job as a morning show producer for Scott Robbins, who's just known everywhere. He's got a big national syndicated show. It's called Markley Van Camp and Robbins. And I started morning show producing. So that's just pop like pushing buttons and mm-hmm. smiling. And then occasionally I'd throw in some like interjections into the show, but then it just kind of grew. And then I just became a morning show host and I've been doing this a year now and I'm having a blast doing news stories and creating commercials, writing promos, and then also doing the morning show. Is there any interesting reason why you left the other radio stations? Yeah. So uh, actually, I was face to face with a decision. I was considering going with NPR and going to Peoria actually was on my radar for WCBU, which is a Peoria um, NPR affiliate. And it's based out of Bradley University. And I was considering that. But there was something that just I I prayed about it. Hmm. Uh, I'm a big big Christian and I'm a believer. And I just prayed, prayed, prayed probably for about a week. It was probably the hardest week of my life. I don't know why. It was just awful. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I just, just I'm not great at making decisions. I always just want to like weigh the options, make sure everybody is happy with the decision that I come to. And I just kind of said, you know what, I'm going to do 
something that I think I am going to excel in and something that's going to make me happy. You know, no amount of money, no amount of like uh, pleasing other people. All of the friends that I made at Illinois State University, it, I wasn't going, it's not for them, right? Mm. Like I'm not going to make it or take a job for them. I've got to take a job that's going where I'm going to be happy and where I can live out, live out my values. And I had heard that message in church one day and I was like, I'm going to live out my values and I'm going to I'm going to ask Steve tomorrow and on Monday about getting that job at Cities 92.9 because I feel like my values are reflected in this company and I feel like my values will be appreciated in this company Great Plains Media. Hmm. So, so is, that's how it came to be. <laughs> is 92.9 then an openly conservative radio station? Yes, we are. We are conservative news talk. And it's the same thing that if it, you know, we've had people say, well, why don't you incorporate the other side? Why don't you, you know, have a different type of voice or a different type of show that encapsulates maybe a little bit more of the left thinker? Not that left thinkers are, are completely wrong all of the time. Hmm. Uh, some things are, are, are out there and we can talk about that, but. I'm telling you, you don't put uh, Katy Perry on a classic rock station. Mm. You just don't. And you don't put, uh, you know, uh, rap music on a country station. You just don't. Uh, Because our listeners and the listeners that tune into Cities 92.9, they come for a specific product. And that product is conservative news talk. And they want to, it's a family. And you wouldn't, you know, show up one day and, you know, have a stranger join your family. It'd be like, uh, you know, you walk in one day and you're like, Mom, who's that kid over there? Oh, I picked him up off the street. That's why we don't do left-leaning shows. So it is conservative new talk. We got um, Glenn Beck. We've got Sean Hannity, Mark Levin, and they're all on Fox News. And then we also play Fox News at the top of every hour. Okay, got it. Yeah, so it's 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 obvious. People tune in to Cities 92.9 for a certain genre of talk and music, and you give them that, because if mm-hmm. you don't, they'll leave and you don't make money. It's just business, you know? Yeah. People tune in to you guys for a reason, because this is how they think, this is what they want to hear about, they want to hear news through a, maybe a conservative lens, if that's fair to say, but I like one thing that you said. You said the left and liberals aren't wrong on all fronts necessarily. So I want to challenge you and say, what front aren't they wrong in? What's what's something the left side of the aisle is, is doing well? There's something to be said about leftists who advocate for things like, I would say, climate change is one of those things that I've always been kind of wishy-washy on as a conservative. I do think that they go about it oh, the wrong way, asking the EPA to help you with all of your problems and looking to the government, because the EPA is a, uh, basically an arm branch of the government. Looking to the government for all of your solutions is usually where the left goes wrong. But there's something to be said about taking care of our planet and conserving it and doing the best we can to make sure it's here for later generations. And I think the left has a great idea about recycling and uh, trying to conserve and this new push for electric vehicles. All for it, right? But you start to go down a very slippery slope when you start looking for government to help you and not God and not like yourself and taking a personal evaluation of, hey, how can I independently help our planet in an example? So I would say that sometimes, you know, the the left, uh, when I say the left, there are there is a clear like 
there's the there's a left and then there's somebody who has a rational <laughs> approach to certain things in politics like a Democrat approach or a more like left leaning approach to policy. And I don't know where the where that 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 rational side is at. It seems like more and more every day. And as somebody who tracks the news on a regular basis, it just has become increasingly and increasingly more left leaning. Mm -hmm. You you've said a couple times now you've mentioned God how central is God or religion or perhaps Judeo-Christianity to be more specific? How central is God to the conservative way of thinking and, and maybe to being a Republican? Can someone be a Republican or a conservative and not believe in God? How central is that to the way you think? Um, so I, I really do uh, think that the U.S. Constitution and the Bible are two forms of literature that every person should have in their back pocket. I've got them in my truck and I read them every day. And I think that the Constitution is based off those Judeo-Christian values. And I think that there is something to be said about somebody who actually follows Christ or has some sort of faith, right? Maybe it's not Christian. Maybe it's not. But there's something to be said about a higher being and keeps us all in check. And it helps us from keeping our eyes on something other than government to fix all of our problems, right? You can look to God. You can look to fellowship, uh, people of like mind to help you out. And those are things that the Bible teaches. And there's things in the Constitution that point to, I, I mean, under God, uh, you know, mm. the Pledge of Allegiance, they added that under God phase for a reason or phrase because it is, it, it truly, it, I think you can be a Republican and not have faith, but it's very, very hard mm. because a lot of that policy is rooted in those Judeo-Christian values that we find in our Constitution and then also that independent thinker, right? You can be an independent thinker, a free thinker, uh, when you have faith of some kind and when you're not constantly looking to government to solve all your all, all your problems. Mm -hmm. and, and you're right. Faith or at least the idea that we're all infinitely valuable in the eyes of God because we are creations of God is central to the Constitution, to the foundation of the United States as we know it. And so even if you don't believe, you're still living such a good life here in this country because of the beliefs held by the founding fathers. That's why it's foundational, you know? So yes, religion, specifically Christianity, you could say Judeo-Christianity, but they're all Christian, the founding fathers, I mean, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's absolutely fundamental to the American and way of life. I do think that if there's like, like, right, Paul, like if there's if there's Republicans who just don't really can't find God. And I, I, I do believe that like there's been times in my faith where it gets shaky and I'm just like, I don't even know. Mm -hmm. I don't even know. And I. I can see where somebody is in that position and they might not believe in God, but you have to recognize that the reason why this country is so great is because it is rooted in that constitution, which has Judeo-Christian values embedded into that document. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. And you can't, it's irrefutable. And if you recognize that and maybe you're not of faith and you have respect for it, then you could serve the constituents. Hmm. Right. I, I agree entirely. Yes. Even if you don't believe, you have to acknowledge where these things came from. And you kind of have to, I don't know, swallow your pride and say, although I don't believe in this God, the because people did believe in this God, mm -hmm. it's really made a phenomenal 
society, I guess, or at least a constitution. So for that, I'm grateful, you know. Mm -hmm. You can be conservative and you can be a Republican and not believe, but it would make a lot of sense to have a faith, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think that uh, my, and it's just something that really struck a chord with me when I graduated college because I had never gone to church while I was in college. And I didn't know why, I didn't understand why. And I think it does have something to do with the way higher education is set up. They just don't prioritize it. In fact, I would even go as far as to say they uh, demolish it. Mm. They, anything that has to do with Christianity or actually following faith, they try to bury it uh, with a lot of things that are sinful. Uh, There is a whole, you know, hookup culture in college. There's a whole uh, push for LGBTQ students and a push for LGBTQ. I'm not trying to go there, but I I am going to say that there is a push for these things that directly conflict with my beliefs as a Christian, and you don't feel like it's an inclusive environment when you're a Christian on campus. And I, I... came to terms with that as soon as I was graduating and I was like, this is the direction I'm going to go because I really do want to live my life and live out the values of my life. And the best way to do that is to not work for somebody who's going to um, demolish or try to destroy your faith, um, even inadvertently, like they might not even overtly come after you for your faith, but they might invertly do that by just, you know, side, side remarks or uh, I, there was one time on campus where I, I was wearing a cross. I wear a cross regularly. Mm. And uh, I had a kid come up to me, and a college kid, and he was like, so why do you wear that? I don't, aren't you worried it's going to offend somebody? And I was like, whoa. I was like, I, I'm kind of like, this guy was raging like liberal and like i i was not shocked when he had come to me with that and i said oh i was like well then i mean guess good for them but i i don't i don't care i will wear it proudly and i said i'll probably wear two the next day <laughs> and i did that? i did i looked at him and i go i'm probably gonna wear two tomorrow so <laughs> what <did laughs> that's what i said and and guess what i actually wear two now so and wow. he just go he was just like, well, I didn't mean to have it. And I was like, yeah, well, that's offensive, right? So coming after me for my religion, I don't come after you like actively to, you know, say like the guy was, you know, homosexual. I didn't come after him and say things about his sexuality. There was no, and that's the culture that Mm -hmm. is in higher education. And I don't think people realize it because they, you know, I, being a Christian, right, you don't want to fight, right? There's something in the Bible that says, you know, you don't want to, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember it, but it, it, the whole Christian values, it's based off of not fighting people and like being super, love thy neighbor as thyself, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think we have a lot to lose as Christians if we start to engage but I just, I had enough, and I was like, look, I'm going to wear two tomorrow, you know? <laughs> well, surely you can say, though, that there are, you know, very nice, you know, gay people, right? I oh, mean, yeah. I'm going to ask you a follow-up question here, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of friends. I even have followers, supporters of this show. Jared, I know you're going to watch this. You're mm-hmm. the man. But, like, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of openly gay people that are really mm-hmm. wonderful people, even Christian people, and I want to get your thoughts, first of all, what are your thoughts on the LGBT, I'm going to say, L G 
be community because I'll ask you about trans maybe later, but the, you know, you said homosexuals, gay people, What's your thoughts on all that? Yeah, well, uh, I think that it was a mistake to uh, pass legislation at the federal level to legalize gay marriage. And I think that leaving it up to the states and uh, anytime you can say no to big government, I'm an advocate for that sort of thing. I think that what you do in your private life is is up to you. I would say that it's, uh, you know, a sin. And that's just a, a a Christian, you know, trying to say like, yeah, that's a sin. Gay However, marriage is a sin. Gay, uh, well, gay just, acts in general, just sexual being acts. Gay and is a sin, okay. and uh, you know, I'm not afraid to say that it is a sin. It does not mean that I don't love you. It does not mean that I hate you. It does not mean that I will come after you. In fact, I have so many, so many friends who are are gay. I have so many family members who are gay, and it does not mean I love them any less. In fact, I. I would even go as far as to say I love you even more because I want to show you that being a Christian and show you that, you know, the way of Christ and that is having a heterosexual relationship is just better for your overall health. Mm. And that's just something I believe. I, I, I see it all of the time. There's a reason why suicide rates are extremely high. I mean, higher than people who lived in Auschwitz uh, during the Holocaust. And people were killing themselves off because they didn't want to face what was happening in in the concentration camps. And that's factual. If you look at the rates now of gay people, of transgender community, which is a totally different issue, if you look at those, they're just, there has to be something done in order to help the gay community. And I think that Christians have been sleeping. I think that, you know, the push for, hey, uh, this is a sin. I'm going to love you through your sin, right? I have sin. It's not like I'm, you know, all holy and thou, right? Yeah. I have sin. I, uh, you know, got a tattoo. I'm trying to think of other sins. Is that a sin? <laughs> oh, yeah. Getting a, tin- a tattoo is a sin in the Bible. It says, you know, treat your body as a temple. Don't de- deface it or something like that. That's Are you going to get it removed? No. No? No, <laughs> no but it, <laughs> it does, it. it does. you know, remind me like, oh, that's sinful, right? And it is uh, just a gauge of where you're at, but like... Like, I would hope that somebody would love me through my sin so much to where, you know, I say, well, I'm not going to do this anymore, you know, and I think the church has been sleeping. It says, come as you are, right? Churches are have been very inclusive. Come as you are. But you should always come as you are and then try to change into a better Christian and follow the way of Christ always. And that's what I try to try to do. I try to do every day. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just keep diving into the controversial <laughs> stuff here. But uh Okay, so you said that it is, if I understood correctly, that it's a sin to be gay. You know, I've, it's one thing to say that it's sinful to act uh, sexually in a homosexual manner. It really, anything premarital, in my opinion, any sexual acts would be, yes. technically speaking, sinful. Uh, but you're saying it's not just that. It's actually, and of course, correct me if I'm not saying what you're saying, it's a sin to actually just have the attraction in your heart and mind to be attracted to the same sex. Is that correct? Please correct me if it's it's not and then explain. Yeah, no, I would say that's not correct. Like, I am not saying that being gay, I think that the act of being, uh, of like gay. Acting on the attraction. Acting on that attraction okay. is, I think that people really do have a uh, hormonal imbalance, uh, mental imbalance. I don't believe that God made us in a way that is 
is gay, right? I don't believe that. I don't believe God made homosexuals because, the, you know, he created man and woman. I think that a lot of society has to do with, you know, turning out gay. And also, you know, internally, I think that maybe there is something that uh, is hardwired into you that makes you attracted to the same sex. Mm-hmm. Acting on that is the act of sin. And, you know, I, I, it's a hard thing for me to even talk about because it's like, I don't know. I'm never, I've never been in those shoes, right? I'm a heterosexual woman. I have no idea. Uh, I've talked to a lot of LGBTQ members. In fact, I'm I'm talking with a trans girl uh, this morning uh, about how, you know, she just feels abandoned by the LGBTQ community. I hear that a lot. The trans people feel outed by no, oh, yeah. Outed, well, they've secluded. capitalized on them as a commodity and they wear them like a fur coat. And that's not loving your neighbor. And it's really starting to make me mad, Paul, because it's like, stop. <laughs> you know, you can say that I don't agree with what you're doing and I think that it's a sin, but I still love you. And what people are doing with the LGBT this morning, I saw that uh, Taco Bell. Uh, Taco Bell is doing some sort of brunch in the name of gay people. And it's just like, what is going on to where you are going to offend? Like, I would be so offended if you made it some sort of brunch in the name of my the way of my sexual orientation. I would be so offended. And I'm sure it offends gay people. I don't know because I don't have that attraction. Yeah, I was going to ask, dude, does that offend them? Because that would tick me off if like I've seen weird signs. It's like we I was in Michigan one time. I saw on a sign outside of a door, like on this door to a store. It said we welcome Mexicans or no, no, we welcome brown people gay people i'm like gosh and i'm brown i'm like i'm in this lit i didn't know that i was normally not welcome like why yeah. you gotta say why you gotta say it and, and it's it a makes marketing it so thing much too. and that's where i'm talking where this there's this also this societal pressure so for example so i know somebody who's gay and he has had a really hard time controlling his urges and you know he has never acted upon those urges hmm. but he says that he's attracted to a man He says that it's so much harder to deal with that attraction and to deal with him being a Christian and then not acting on it. And he's trying to work that out with him and God, and he's trying to really work on that. And we should afford people that right, right? But I feel like the media saturation, the commoditizing and the the money making that people are making off the LGBTQ community is making it so much harder for them to deal with those feelings by themselves. And it gets back to my whole thing. Leave government out of it. Let somebody work out their own sexuality between them and God. That's between them and God and whatever partner they choose to be sleeping with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that that's just my take on it, right? Just leave right. them alone. Leave them alone and stop pushing it down their throat. Stop creating legislation after legislation uh, that addresses the LGBTQ community. Leave mm-hmm. them alone. You're doing them a disservice by <laughs> creating all of this legislation when they might not even know how they feel. My gay friend, he has no idea how he feels about anything. Like, he, he's he gone on a few dates with some girls. He's gone on a few dates with some guys. And he's like, I just don't really want to act on it at all. He goes, I have some urges for the other, uh, like, the same sex as me. And he goes, I just don't want to act on that at all because I'm not, I don't want to sin. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, you got to pray about it. I mean, the Bible is your basic instruction before leaving earth. Pray about it, read that Bible, and, you know, meditate on it. That's what my pastor always says. I think it's interesting, you know, just to kind of go with what you're saying a little bit. 
denying the urges. Not all of our urges are good, and I actually think that the advancement of humankind, the rapid advancement of humankind in all aspects, in our ability to live in a harmonious society, it, it largely comes from our ability to not act on our impure or our negative desires and urges because you know we have primitive urges such as when we get mad at someone to kill them or to sleep with mm-hmm. multiple partners uh to steal to lie if it benefits like these are natural urges inside of us and who's to say there might not be some disordered attractions just to you know kind of go with what you're saying to play a devil's advocate uh, kind of against myself and against a lot of people but you know Again, it's not a bad thing to go against your bodily desires. In fact, it's largely the reason that we live in a society that we do, the quality of which we live in, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of stumbling I, over my words here, but no, I mean... No. Yeah, and I, uh, I, it kind of reminds me, and I, this is by no means very small scale, right? So I was mm. a smoker uh, for, I don't know, a few years. I started when I graduated high school and I started smoking, and... I started controlling those those urges. Like sometimes when the weather's nice outside, I just crave a, a pack of smokes and I want to go buy a pack of smokes. But I tell myself, no, that's not good for me. I don't want to do this. And th- that in and of itself is a good thing. And coming to that accomplishment that, hey, mm. I was able to step outside of myself, consult with God about it and consulted about my addiction and addiction is a sin, right? Then gluttony mm. and things like that. So I consulted God about it and worked that out. And that made me a so much better person. And I feel like we aren't even affording our, our, our brothers and sisters, our LGBTQ community, the ability to work that out themselves. And if they do decide to, you know, if I did decide to smoke and continue smoking, well, that's the consequences that I face, right? Maybe the, the, the somebody gay acting on those urges don't doesn't really care about entering the eternal life of you know of that God has for us, uh, and that's w- mainly why I say what I say when I say it's a sin, and I don't think that you should be doing that because I want to see everybody in heaven, and I truly have that belief. I truly believe that you will have eternal life if you try to make your best self. Now, I'm not a judgment. I'm not a judgment, and, and it's up to God. Maybe God is going to be, and I I think that God will, uh, you know, say, hey, uh, even if you were gay, I'm going to allow you into the kingdom of eternity. In the Bible, it kind of says no, and that's why I, I, you know, err on the side of safety, and I just tell my gay friends, like, I think it's a sin. And there there are gay friends of mine who have left me as a friend because I have said that to them, but there's also gay friends who dug into that, and like my gay friend I was talking about, he dug into that, and he was like, I am going to make sure I have Katrina in my life because I need a friend who's going to tell me, yeah, what I'm doing is a sin because I tr- I do believe that because I am a gay Christian and I need somebody in my life to to continue to tell me that. Hmm. Do you believe that sin, in order to be sin, has to be a choice, a conscious choice? Mm, yeah, yeah. I would say that you act upon sin. We have free will, so. I took a lot of theology classes, and uh, the best part about free will is that we are all able to experience uh, 
life in the fullest, right? So because we have free will, we can hate somebody with all of our soul and we have such an extreme feeling of hate. Then we also have the extreme feeling of love. And that's because God gave us that free will to do those kinds of things. Uh, I do think that we have a choice in whether or not we commit acts of sin. Uh, Now, I do think that the attraction is so real for I do think that gay people exist. I do think that people are attracted to the same sex. It's a lot harder for you. And it and it's and it sucks. I I, like as a Christian and as a a, somebody gay, I don't know how you do it. Um, But I as my role here on Earth, if I can do the best I can as a fellowship member and, you know, witness and try to provide as much, you know, biblical testimony or my testimony. I don't know if it'll ever help anybody, but I don't know. Try to provide fellowship to help people on their path to not committing sin probably is the best. And before we move on from this, I want to ask I know we got a, a lot of theology here. Right, Paul. right. No, no, it's beautiful. I mean, whatever. This is where the conversation went. Yeah. I think it's it's valuable. Is being gay a choice? Being gay, a choice. Um, yeah, yeah. I would say that you do have the ability to, you know, remove yourself from command. Like, for me, being straight is honestly a choice, right? Uh, acting, I should say, acting upon your sexual orientation is a choice. For me, being straight is a choice. I choose to date men. I choose to, you know, uh, kiss guys, right? I choose to do that sort of thing. Now, if I didn't want to act on that, and you know, I, I you don't as a Christian, you're supposed to remain, you know, um, not having sex until you're married. Uh, then I, I choose to refrain, refrain from that type of thing, right? You choose to refrain from that type of thing. Now, it, whether or not you can control what you're tra- who you're attracted to. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I I can't control that. So obviously not. But it depends on the person. Maybe they have came up and maybe if you're on the fence, like my friend, uh, my gay friend, like he doesn't even know what he's attracted to or who he's attracted to. And I think there's a lot of people in that community that deal with like, I don't even know who I, I'm attracted to. And that's something that you got to work out yourself and yeah, I choose to act on my sexual, you know, um, acts, you know, and I think that you can choose whether or not to act that out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're talking a lot about faith-related things. Mm-hmm. The separation of church and state, I know that's actually not constitutional. It's not in the Constitution, if I can remember correctly. I believe it was Thomas Jefferson wrote a letter to someone, and people confuse it for being constitutional all the time. Mm-hmm. But the separation of church and state still... Is that important, or do you think that perhaps specifically Judeo-Christianity, since it was a foundational component of the country, do you think that that should be baked into government at all, or should there be a clean separation of church and state? Well, and uh, (laughs) so I think that where we are today is, and the problems we are seeing play out today in today's world, and don't tell me you don't have problems because you're having problems. Whenever you go up to the gas station and you 
put your 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 uh, hose into the car, you have problems. And I think a lot of what we are seeing play out today is because we decided and somebody decided, and it's definitely not in the Constitution anywhere about the separation of church and state. I think we have gotten so far away from our Judeo-Christian values that we were founded on that that's where we're... Let's try it. Let's just try it. Let's try implementing prayer in schools. You know, it's something that we haven't done in a while. It's something that, you know, might have been working out for our, our ancestors, might have been working out for history in the in back then. Let's try implementing prayer back in school. Let's try uh, being more inclusive, being more diverse, and letting people express their religion. And even if you're Muslim, right? And that's the thing, too. Muslim, Judea, Christian, you know, I think it's all good. I think it's all good. I think that there's nothing to lose from having people freely and truly express their religion in every walk of life, and that's including government. Well, what about if their religion is atheism? If their religion is atheism, then I guess, uh, I don't know, is it really a religion? (laughs) Yeah, it's a lack thereof, kind of. Well, it is still a religion because you're subscribing to this, this... yeah, this massive narrative that governs your life. It is central to your life, so therefore it is kind of a religion. But anyway, it's not a monotheistic one, that's for sure. Yeah, don't believe I think monotheism God. is something that we should embrace as a society in order for us to see benefits. How, uh, now, I do believe in the marketplace of ideas, and I believe in the marketplace of religion. The reason why Christianity is so dominant in the West and is so dominant just worldwide, I think it's one of the the top religions just worldwide. I got to check my numbers again because they're falling drastically. Hmm. But the reason why it has been the dominant religion is because it works for people. People are happy when they're Christians. And that's just the facts of life. You, you know, the, you, you always get that feeling about somebody who's Christian. And you're like, you know, I, I just don't know how they're doing it. I don't know how they're doing it. And then you ask them, you know, how do you uh, identify as far as faith goes? And then they say Christian. And then you're like, this makes sense. Those Christian people are just happy folk. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that Eventually, atheism would just die out because it's just not the best idea. And it's just proven. And that's kind of what we're seeing already. And now it's dying. And I do think that we need to recruit more Christians and try to witness to more people as Christians. Uh, But I think atheism would just die out or it would just not be as um, prominent uh, if we were to let the Christianity movement breathe. I think mm-hmm. that we're working really hard to stifle it, and that's why atheists are getting so loud. That's why Scientology is getting so loud, and that's why a lot of these other religions are getting so loud, because we have worked so hard to push down Christianity. Hmm. And I do think that it would make a lot of sense to suggest, back in the day in philosophy, they used to say the, a test for a philosophy of life and for a society would be if you administered this, and this was the law of the land, this way of thinking, would it make society better or worse? Because they believed if it was true, it would make it better. If it was not true, it would make society worse. And if you you could kind of calculate roughly that if everyone didn't believe in God, uh, at least for the time being, society would be worse off because you don't believe there's a higher good that you're trying to achieve. You don't believe there's something after death that you're trying that you're striving to do good in order to get there. Uh, you, you might do terrible things in private because who's going to see 
anyway, among mm-hmm. many other things. I mean, you look at the, the worst atrocities against the human race in the last century. You look at uh, Stalin, Mao, uh, Nazi Germany, and you can say what you want about Hitler's Christian beliefs. He was not Christian at all. I've listened mm. to documentaries. He was not Christian after he was baptized, you know, when he's a little kid in the Catholic Church, I believe. But what they have in common is none of them believe that God was watching. And that's somewhat profound. It's it should at least give you pause. You know, these worst crimes against humanity, the thing they had in common was they didn't believe God was watching them. They didn't believe that they would be judged later. And if you were a philosopher back in the day and you said, hey, if people think this way, what will society look like? And if you look at those examples, it's certainly not good. So mm-hmm. believe I always say believe in God or not, it's you ought to live and a society ought to live as though he is real and I think they'll be better for it until yeah. a better solution comes along but I personally don't believe a better solution or better way of thinking will will come along so mm-hmm. I'm agreeing with you, oh. you know? <laughs> yeah well and you bring up a good point about our history right and the, the, the atrocities and them not believing that God is watching uh there's one thing that really stuck with me in college, and I, I just can't even believe that, that I, I allowed for this to happen. I should have stood up and said something to the professor, but they pushed Karl Marx. They pushed pushed his ideology, and I didn't know this, but I did a little research on Karl Marx, and he was just not a happy guy. He was uh, covered in like boils. He was just not happy, and his family <laughs> was not happy. He, he was uh, his family was on the brink. I think somebody committed suicide in his family, and he was just not a happy guy. Raging atheist did not did, just spoke out against God all of the time. It was his dominant religion, and I just think you're so right when you say you know just let it play out and see how, what happens, and that's the whole marketplace of ideas. That what helps people and what makes people happy is inevitably, I, I believe that that's going to rise to the top. Whether it's the truth or not, who knows? But let's just let society decide what we talk about, what we believe in, and then if, it, if everybody's happier, then what's the problem? Hmm. So you believe a society will function best and thrive to its, will thrive. Mm-hmm if it has Christian values baked into it. However, you still respect the freedom of religion. You still believe that that's Oh, yeah. A In must. fact, I think it actually argues our, our, the, the Christian faith even more. I would love to, like, people who believed in the spaghetti monster or whatever. Mm, flying spaghetti monster, sure. <laughs> flying spaghetti monster, right? I would love for more ideas like that to come out because it's like it puts up my idea and it makes my idea sound even better. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like it sounds, In comparison. It sounds better. Better, right? And I, you know, sorry to all the spaghetti flying monster religious zealots out there. I'm very sorry if I offended you, but uh, it just sounds better. And the point of having all these ideas, the bad ones, they they just prop up the good ones even more, and at a faster rate, and at a more immense rate. Just from what we've said so far in this conversation, you must not be scared of offending people or, or ticking people off. Is that? fair to say yeah yeah well <laughs> yeah okay fair enough yeah. no i i don't i i'm not afraid of offending people i i don't because if you offend somebody uh i would rather offend somebody and somebody tell me that i offended them and give me a reason why i offended them than just shut my mouth 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I would much rather, I, I, I don't have a very good filter. Uh, there's something in radio, it's called the dump button. And it gives you like a quick eight seconds to knock yourself off the air. Uh, it, because it's a delay on radio. Uh, there's like a small little delay. So that way, if a caller comes in and cusses, then you can dump them off the air. I have a little dump button and my uh, my finger is on there all of the time because I tend to, you know, get a little mouthy and I'm like, oh, I can't say that. I can't say that. I can't mm. say that. And it's just like, what? When in society and when when did this happen where I was just constantly worried about, hey, I, I can't say that or I can't say that or I can't say that. When did that happen? And I wish that we would be able to have more conversation. And I think that's why these kids are just so engraved into their phones, because they're not willing to tell somebody and look somebody in the eye and say, I didn't like that you said that. And here's why. Mm-hmm. And then we could have a conversation about it, Paul. And that's just where that's what I miss. I would love to have a raging liberal look me in the eye. My phone blows up every day with people behind the keyboard wor- keyboard warriors, I call them, every day calling me mean names, coming after me. And it's just like, I would love for you to come into my come into my office, sit down, have a cup of coffee. Tell me why I offended you. And then we can have a conversation about why you believe what you believe. And we're missing that. Mm-hmm. And you have to be willing, though, to admit when they're right and maybe you were in the wrong. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's happened multiple times, especially with this girl I was talking to. Uh, she transgender this morning. Right. And I used to believe I did used to believe that. <sighs> Being a homosexual, being trans, uh, transgender, that it was totally uh, like just manufactured in their head that they they were not truly that way. I've changed my position on that, and I've admitted like I'm sorry, um, you know, and like hey, I I did not realize you had felt this way and those uncontrollable urges, and then I did even more research. I instead of just listening to somebody about their testimony about how they actually were attracted to the opposite se- or the same sex, I did some research and I saw that there are people who experience hormonal imbalances there's people who experience something in their heads where they you know uh, have to act on those sexual urges i've done some homework on it and you can change your feelings or beliefs all of that i'm i do it i think i do it every five minutes Mm -hmm. (laughs) i change my feelings about things all of the time all Mm -hmm. of the time like uh with this abortion uh draft i was thinking that maybe a liberal justice leaked it out her name's uh sayota mayora uh i was thinking a lab- maybe a liberal justice leaked it on purpose in order to get us to get riled up about it or to maybe change the decision somehow. This morning, I was like, you know, maybe it was a conservative. Maybe a conservative really wanted abortion on the ballot in order to try to get this pro-life movement moving. And, it, you know, it could have been a mixture of both. So actually, uh, Abraham Lincoln and Douglas, Stephen Douglas, when in their debates, they went around with these debates, oh gosh, in the 1860s, I think it was, and they actually knew each other very, very well. And they did these debates, and they didn't even have to do these debates because the Illinois senators at the time were going to uh, a, a vote on the U.S. senators. So unlike it is today, U.S. senators are uh, appointed by or like voted on by the people. A U.S. senator is on your ballot. Illinois senators at the time were the ones who voted for the U.S. senators. 
So they didn't have to go around to all of these different communities and host debates and try to win the people on their side. Stephen Douglas, obviously advocating for the end of slave or for the for slavery, and then Abraham Lincoln, obviously advocating for um, ending slavery. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have to do that. I think that they came together. And they said, let's put slavery on the ballot and let's host all of these debates and get people talking about it. In fact, they even hired like uh, uh, media outlets. Uh, They've hired the Chicago Tribune. I know Abe Lincoln hired the Chicago Tribune to push out this narrative of ending slavery. They wanted slavery on the ballot. So maybe... Maybe just maybe a conservative and a liberal on that on that justice uh, those justices they came out and linked that together. Mm-hmm. So I changed that today. I was like, oh, it was the liberal justice one hundred percent, and then I was like, no, maybe maybe a conservative and a liberal were mm. trying to put this on the ballot. Maybe they're working together. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. I'm going to ask you about that in a second. But mm-hmm. as for your willingness to offend. It makes sense. You have to be willing to step on some toes in the pursuit of truth. You know what I mean? You have to be willing to offend when you're pursuing truth. Sometimes it hurts to get to the truth, but you gotta, you gotta hash things out, you know, and you have to be willing to offend people. But also you said you would like to have coffee with a raging liberal and figure out what it was that you said that offended them. And I think that's actually beautiful. In fact, I think that's why podcasts are really, really valuable because me and you can sit and hash things out for an hour plus two hours and it's that simple. You know, Mm -hmm. I hear you out and I shut my mouth when I'm done talking and I, I listen to you. And likewise, and I just think that's how we get, we unify. Looking ahead, you know, because we're divided so greatly right now as a society because we're not talking to each other. We have to talk to each other more and you have to talk respectfully to each other and listen to each other and try to understand one another. So I, I just think it's important to say that, you mm-hmm. know, you should have coffee with someone that yeah. you disagree and with. don't be afraid to, and uh, stop biting your tongue. That's what I, that's my advice to every, especially the younger generation. Do not bite your tongue. If you want to say it, say it. And then, you know, I always say, ask for, ask for forgiveness later, (laughs) right? That's a, you know, ask for forgiveness. Uh, Don't ask permission, just ask for forgiveness later. Mm -hmm. And I think that we've lost that. And I I would love to. And that's actually why. So the morning buzz, it's uh, weekdays and that's the show I host. Uh, The reason why I called it the buzz and we called it the buzz was because there's nothing that a cup of coffee and a conversation can't do in order to, for us to start loving each other again and the reason why i chose to call it the buzz is because you get a buzz off coffee and Mm. you know the the show logo is a cup of coffee and it's there's like some stains on it and everything because i'm sure i've said some things that make you want to throw (laughs) the coffee at me and it's gonna stain up all of the papers but yeah there's nothing that can't be discussed over a cup of coffee at some place you know Mm -hmm. i I love it and i completely agree (laughs) But you mentioned the uh, the potential overturning, the leaked draft from the Supreme Court where they said that they plan on reversing Roe v. Wade and making the issue of abortion a state issue. No longer will it be federally legal everywhere, but it'll go back to the state. What do you think about that? Yeah, um, I think that that is something that's very overdue. I think that actually Roe, Jane Roe, which was an anonymous name that she was given um, in order to protect her identity during the case, 
I think that she realized that this case was a, she has come out openly and said that she's regretted her abortion before. Really? Uh, not a lot of people know that. Yes. A lot of people don't know that she has actually came out and said that she regrets having her abortion. And like and, and I hate to draw this parable, but I'm going to uh, slavery. Right. People thought that black slaves were not humans in the 18, uh, 1800s. We are on a, a, a we're fighting for the unborn to be recognized as humans. That's what pro-lifers are, are doing. And people thought that uh, they were crazy back then, too. Uh, the people who were fighting Republicans, naturally, uh, back in the 1800s, uh, <laughs> they were also fighting for the rights of, of black slaves, or well, to at least be recognized as humans. And they were seen as crazies, uh, wingnuts. And they were like, no, you're, you're fascist, and blah, 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 and you hate America and stuff like that. That's, that's exactly what was happening in the 1800s. So I think that you fast forward and this is just a step in the right direction to recognizing them as humans states taking over uh, taking this over i do see where there is going to be some implicate some legal regimes uh taking place there is going to be a whole different conversation a whole different attitudes towards states working together so if i go have a, an abortion in connecticut and i live in missouri how is connecticut and missouri going to work this out where they can actually you know or if somebody comes here to illinois and has an abortion and then they go back to their red state like, what if the red state finds out and what are they going to do to Illinois to that performs that it's going to be it's going to be tough. But I think that it needs to be done because we are fighting for the recognition of the unborn as human. Like we are fighting to recognize unborn children as humans. Mm -hmm. And it's a fight that needs to be done or had. Mm -hmm. What do you say to people that say, what about women who get pregnant because of rape? Oh, gosh. Okay. You hear that a lot. So. Yes, a lot, a lot. Way too much for it to even. Uh, so rape, right, uh, it only accounts for point like zero one percent in total. So rape, incest, or uh, defects with the birth or problematic uh, pregnancies within the mother, that, affects, or that accounts for 3% of all abortions. 97% of all abortions come from socioeconomic reasons, at least that's what they've pulled. And I, I don't know where I got that from, but I can give you show notes. I can give you show notes. Sure. But it's just a stat that has stuck with me because... It's not even relevant to really talk about, but I'll talk about it. I do think that if you are raped, that is a tragedy. And, uh, you know, being somebody who really has had a type of experience and, and know, I know a lot of people, I think one in every three women are sexually assaulted, one in every five women are raped, uh, which is kind of alarming that that number isn't even higher for abortions, right? Because we have a lot of women who are raped. Uh, there is something that you can take when you go into a uh, hospital. If you were a rape victim, uh, you can take a pill. They'll give you a pill and they ask you it there. So you do have the choice to eliminate your pregnancy there. And then you can take that pill up to, I forget how many days, um, but you can go back in and take that pill and it's a medically induced abortion. I'm actually an advocate for that. Um, a medically induced abortion that kind of just wipes it. Now, I do believe life starts at conception, but there are exceptions to that, that right? The, you, if you don't want it, and if you don't want to continue to full term or to, or to at least six weeks, then you can do that. I, I, I think that that was a reasonable response. We are the question isn't whether, you know, it, we are in a spot where 
we have to start looking at the numbers and we have to start looking at the abuses of abortion. It's not like rape victims are abusing abortion, right? A lot of them do take that pill as soon as they come in. And I'm okay with that. I have a problem with taking a baby out of somebody's womb via forceps or, you know, and I'm not even for really birth control because I do believe life starts at conception. And if it's God's plan, it's God's plan. But I would even say to a rape victim, you know, I, what is this going to do to you on a, an emotional level, a mental level? And is this going to help you in aborting life that was, you know, come about an unfortunate, unfortunate even isn't a strong enough word, but a devastating way it was bestowed upon you, this child? Uh, is it going to make you feel better taking that life away? And if they say yes. Yes, I am okay. Well, you have to accept that you are taking away a life. And I do think that there are good examples of taking away a life. Sometimes, you know, you just don't, it, we do it all the time, right? We do, I, if somebody were to barge into my house, I'd shoot them, right? And I would feel justified in doing that. There's a degree of violence that is acceptable. And it's, we have to recognize that that's, a, that's killing a baby. And is it just? Yes, if it, a rape victim is doing it and they're doing it medically induced and it's not six weeks into the pregnancy or seven weeks, 10 weeks, 15, 20. Okay. <laughs> well, for the sake of being logically consistent here, I want you to elaborate on this a little bit. Mm -hmm. But you, So you say life does begin at conception and... In the case of a you know standard third trimester abortion, you know yeah you're killing a baby, but you will also say that when you take uh you know one of those abortion pills immediately after a rape that if that does end a pregnancy that too is is killing a baby. Mm -hmm. But you're saying that and correct me if I'm wrong, although that is still killing a baby, it's morally permissible to do that in the case of rape, but only in those slim cases is that correct yeah it i would say it's just uh i don't know if it's morally i would even say that that's not morally right so if i was faced with that that predicament and as a woman i would not abort uh because it, it there is something to be said about morality i think that it's just to kill a baby after you've been raped uh because of the way that baby came about it did you know i just think that it, i don't think it's morally right to kill a baby, but I do think that it's just in some some way, shape, or form. And we're talking like small, small amount of people mm -hmm. this happens to. I think it's, I at least have to really respect your ability to not use euphemisms and to just say what you think very clearly. I mean, you said it right there. I've never heard anyone say it so clearly, but you're <laughs> saying the truth. This is actually what you believe. You're saying that I believe that it's morally, or, or that it's just to kill a baby in the instance of rape. And, you know, although I don't agree with you personally, I at least respect that you put it clearly. You were honest. It's Sometimes just. people, they say like, women's rights, you know, I want to protect women's rights. And it's like, what's that mean? You know, because does that mean you can kill a baby a minute before it exits the female body? Mm. You know, and and people just use these general umbrella terms that, that imply something totally different. They're euphemisms. They're nice sounding things for terrible things. But again, I really like that you You're said You're killing it. a baby. And right. if I was faced with that decision, I would evaluate and I'd be like, am I going to kill this baby or am I going to carry it to term? 
And if you're all right with the act of killing, and some people are, I I don't know if I'd be able to kill somebody. I've never <laughs> been in that that predicament. Uh, I would like to think that if in the act of, in, in a way, in the moment of being raped, there's no way to defend yourself, right? In a way, the act of killing that baby is the act of defense. You don't want your rapist to continue to traumatize you. And that's where I think a rape victim would say, yeah, I'm going to abort this baby. I'm going to kill this baby because this is my act of defense. I was defenseless here, but I'm going to abort this baby, kill this baby, and this is my act of defense. And that's where I think rape victims, you know, get their final act of defense. And that's why I think it's just, just like it would be just if I popped somebody who came into my house and threatened me. I would justify that and say, well, that was my act of defense. I would say that killing a baby in that moment, medically induced, not, not waiting a whole, whole time, a long time, you have to cut. And that's where the convolution and where we use those euphemisms, like you were talking about, Paul, is dangerous because- you just have to be honest with a rape victim. That, like they, They're going through a lot. You've got to be honest with a rape victim and just say, are you willing to kill this baby or do you want to carry it to term? And they have to make all kinds of decisions. You know, Thereafter, they have to make all kinds of decisions and grapple with what had just happened with them. I think the last thing that they want is a euphemism, I would imagine. Uh, I, yeah. Interesting. Very interesting stuff. And Kat, I mean, we're getting towards <laughs> the end of this thing. Mm-hmm. We started off the whole conversation with... Is there a great red wave coming through Illinois and potentially through the United States? And are there any young conservatives still out there? First of all, (laughs) you went to college at ISU. Are there young conservatives out there still? It feels feels like there's not, but there is. And I think that we have really silenced ourselves. That whole biting your tongue thing uh, is really huge on college campuses and uh, real even bigger in, in high schools. And, you know, I think that we need to stop with the stifling and stop with the, the doxing, the censorship, and we need to start lifting those conservative voices up. And I would, in, I would encourage every single conservative out there, young conservative, especially just speak up speak out, reach out to me, <laughs> you know, and we will uh, we'll, we'll reach out to your local GOP, reach out to other constitutional conservatives uh, and realize that you're not alone in this. And I think that that's we're we're a silent majority. That silent majority is really real. Right. And maybe I would say this, I'm going to add my own little thing, you know, for both sides, the left and the right, especially on college campuses, engage in these important controversial conversations often, but don't come to the conversation with your fists up, you know, when you're starting in a defensive mode and you're ready to, you know, counter what these people have to say. Instead, come with your hands down and listen to what they're saying. And you might just be surprised. I've seen it in my own life. You know, when you put your hands down, you listen to someone, then you work to understand them. They're like, hey, this person's not just here to sock me in the face and they're not setting me up. They actually want to understand. So maybe now I'll listen and understand to them. So have these conversations. Don't be scared to say these things, but also listen to the other side and don't fight so so hard. I shouldn't say don't fight, but don't get Mm -hmm. so defensive and assume that this person wants 
the worst. Just show them. Lead by example. They're not out. To, they're not going to kill you. Mm. <laughs> or even better, wrap them around a cup of, a cup of coffee. Pay yeah. for pay for the guy's cup of coffee. You know there what I mean? Go. Like that's what you do. You invite somebody out to a cup of coffee, wrap them around, and there's nothing that can't be settled over a cup of coffee and just a little bit of discourse. Right. And a lot of people will say right now in society that the pendulum has swung very far left, and some people think that it's coming right back to the right. Literally, there's a red wave coming. Do you think that that is the case in Illinois, maybe the United States? Yeah, yeah, I do think that that is the case in Illinois, and it starts at that gubernatorial race. Uh, I've said it multiple times. If I were voting today, I'd vote for Darren Bailey. I do believe that we have to put America first and people who are very blatant about their faith in positions of government. I think that's something that we've lost over the years, and it's not working for us. And left atheist, whatever you are, you have to come to terms with this. This is not working for us. It's not working for us. Let's try it the other way. Let's see what happens. And that's that pendulum swing. And I do think that a red wave, but it also starts here in our communities. So there's county board uh, candidates up, there's county board elections, there's local elections, there's school board elections. And, you know, people like our age need to start getting into these positions of government and start making a difference. And I, even if you are more left-leaning, try it, right? Try try running for some sort of local office. It will definitely benefit Bloomington Normal, and I don't see any issue with uh, uh, trying, right? Mm-hmm. Some people think that there might, maybe there should be an age limit to who can run for government, because when you get, you know, 80 years old, it's tough to really have the capacity to welcome new ideas and to change and, you know, to have that energy and to, you know, have that drive type of thing. Elon Musk is big on his only concern with people because people are going to quickly be able to live to 150 given, you know, scientific and technological advancements and health advancements. People are going to live for a really long time, he says. We might want to... Make it so you can only be so old if you want to run for for office. And maybe he's right, you know, but we need more young people. We do. I I think that that young young voice is something that is just, uh, it it is dry. And we need it here in Bloomington Normal specifically. And... We need it specifically from the from the right. We need conservatives to speak out and stop biting your tongue. Just mm. stop doing it. We need. I should clarify. We need smart young people. There's a lot of dumb young people. Yeah, there really is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gosh. So, I don't know what you want to do with that, everyone listening. But yeah, we need smart young there people really in is. office. But anyway, Cap Peterson, I really appreciate your time. This has been a wonderful conversation. Again, I mean, you're, you're a good mind. You've got a great show, and people should tune in on 92.9 to listen to uh, on Saturday mornings. What time? And what's the uh, yeah, show name? so it's Monday through Friday. That's the morning buzz from 6A to 9A. And then you can also tune in for Conservative Cat. That's where I go into a lot of conspiracy theories. Uh, <laughs> conspiracy theories. And I put on my tinfoil hat. That's Saturdays 5 to 7. So thanks so much for having me on, Paul. This was so fun. Right on. Hey, it is my pleasure. And thank you, everyone, for watching and listening to The Paul Garcia Show. Cat Peterson, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Bye.